0: Captain's Log, Stardate 73646.2. I'm having to delay numerous activities on the station due to repairs needed on both the Habitat Ring and in operations. Despite this, myself, my officers, and even an ambassador are finding a way to carry on in this hope of brighter days. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to taking chances. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of These Are The Voyages. I'm the captain, I'm Captain Chase McKinney. And uh, I have someone that decided that uh, he wanted to move into the station and... Uh, take up permanent residence, and that is uh, Ambassador Fogel, who is back here. He's been uh, uh, kind of discombobulated since the habitat ring is under some uh, construction right now, some uh, some refits. So uh, I'm glad that you've uh, you decided to work through this stuff and um, have another conversation, despite your, your quarters being quite literally a wreck because of construction.
1: Well, it's fine. I'll just move around a few pieces with the... Um, <clears throat> Never mind. That's another universe. Uh, so, <laughs> that's good. To, it's, yeah, it's it's good to be back, though. Uh, you know, I like I said, I, I enjoy talking, talking the uh, the trek, and, and it's. Uh, I think today is going to be a good topic to go through. So,
0: absolutely, yeah. I mean, we we talked last time about the Borg, and this time we're going to kind of be talking about the Borg in a way. I mean, because
1: Picard was a he's to true. be a Borg. You know, all I know is that when so it's one of those like when he when he gets a little bit frustrated or needs to protect himself, he's just gotta just gotta put that hand just right over his forehead, right in the most vulnerable place, just right there.
0: True story, true story. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, uh, recently I was on a road trip out to uh, New Mexico, and uh, just a about a week prior to going on this road trip I had picked up the uh, the newest or one probably the one of the newest if not the newest Star Trek book that I'm immediately aware of and it's Star Trek Picard The Last Best Hope uh and I read it when I wasn't driving and I listened to it while I was driving so I consumed the crap out of it and uh I had reached out to you David and I'm like hey bud you you want to Read this or listen to this next, and maybe we can talk about it sometime down the road. And you basically said, "Yeah, I've been needing a new book to sink my teeth into." So here we are.
1: Yep, here we are. I, I, you know, I, I don't know about you. I never really read any of the any of the accompanying Star Wars or, excuse me, Star Trek. Delete that one. Uh, Star Trek, Star (laughs) Star Trek (laughs) literature. Uh, honestly, I think this might be the first Star Trek book I've I've read.
0: Whoa! Yeah. Wow, that just happened. That was awesome. So yeah, yeah. Um, I I have quite a few books on my bookshelf. Um, I have like a lot of comic books. I have uh, most of the Star Trek Titan series, uh, and Star Trek titan is of course not alpha canon it's like beta and charlie canon so it's not accepted and uh, that kind of bugs me especially after uh seeing the most recent star trek picard episode uh called nepenthe and uh it's still pretty new for people and uh i mean at the time of recording you know we're we're like a day or two or so from having released but uh if you want to spoil it, you can, but what were some of your thoughts on Nepenthe?
1: Oh, man. It's horrible. Uh, you know. <clears throat> no. Worst episode ever? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Um, I did enjoy it. Um, th- I had. Uh, how spoilery did you want to get? <laughs> I could do very general.
0: Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Impulse power, okay. How about that? Not none of that warp nine okay. stuff. All right.
1: All right. Well, well, just a general warp too. I got it. Um, <clears throat> no, but I, I did yeah. enjoy the episode. I there, there were a couple parts that you know got me feeling a little little anxious, uh, but <clears throat> I, I think I think one of the one of the interesting parts that I don't necessarily think is a total spoiler because if you would have watched the rest of the series. Uh, then you would have already kind of <clears throat> maybe tracked a little bit of this, but was really sort of the difference between um, Sochi and her sister and their sort of level of trust in Picard. So I thought that was that was yeah. an interesting thing because, like you know, they're, oh, they're supposed to be twins, right? They look exactly the same, but they 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 seem very different, which is uh, which is kind of cool. If if it would have just been the same same character i don't think it would have it would hit uh as well but uh but yeah there were again just you know some some sad parts some anxious parts uh some heartwarming parts and some more sad parts and then uh you know kind of kind of i guess back to the adventure so to speak so yeah i enjoyed it
0: awesome and and for you guys listening uh, myself and Eric will be doing our reaction episode, and you'll be able to listen to that uh, basically tomorrow. So make sure you you take take the time if you haven't already get caught up on the Engage episodes um, as we as we get ready to talk about uh, Nepenthe on our next Engage episode, which you'll be able to listen to tomorrow. Uh, but until then, we're going to be talking about the books, and we were we kind of went like on a a random like wormhole there for a second got a little detoured but that's okay uh talking about like this was your potentially your first star trek book that you've read and uh that you've experienced in general and uh like i was saying i've i've read a bunch of the comics Uh, i read the the original countdown comic which was the tie-in to the jj trek movie that came out in 09 Uh, i have the, the Q Conflict, which is a great comic series, I highly recommend you guys check that one out if you can get your hands on it. It's fun. It involves every crew of Star Trek from original series all the way through Enterprise, I'm pretty sure. And uh, anyways, and then the most recent one, Star Trek Picard Countdown, which started in, gosh, what was that? November. Mm-hmm. It was November, December, and January. It was a three-issue comic, and uh, I, I got it pretty much as soon as it was released, each month. So... Uh, I think I remember you saying that you read the Picard comics. Yeah, I did.
1: Um, I was not able to get the first issue right off the bat. I made the mistake of not like there's two comic book stores in the town I live in. I made the mistake of not doing a poll. And, uh, you know, because normally I can just get right in and there's usually at least three, four issues of everything on the on the rack and both of them. Both of them, I couldn't, I couldn't find it, and they were like, "Yeah, we pretty much just ordered enough to co- to cover the poll." And I was like, "What? The, I mean, what the heck's the matter with you?" But anyway, I, I did wind up getting the first and second issue at the same time. Read through those; I had no problem getting the third issue, which was good. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think the reception, or at least the uh, the interest in those, was very, very high. Very high, which was which was pretty cool. It meant people were hopefully pretty excited about the series.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Like the the same thing for me. Like I live in like a little tiny town, you know, in the Fort Worth area, and like, like the comic shop that I go to. Uh, I mean, it it just sells out really quickly, you know, for the area that I live in. And had I not had this series on. A pull slip on a on a pull sheet, I wouldn't have had this, yeah, at all. I mean, I probably could have gotten it much later on, but you know, trying to create content for people to engage in with this, no pun intended, <laughs> with this show, it, you know, you need, you need it when it comes out. Basically, yeah. you just need it.
1: I mean, you could have paid double on eBay or something like that. That would have been fun.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> who's who's got that kind of gold press Latin? I'm just hanging uh, around. You know what I'm saying? Right.
1: I mean takes a lot of dumb jot to get that down
0: you're darn right man man oh man well who knows maybe i should just set up like a corks bar here on the station and and uh try and create an extra stream
1: of revenue or yeah, I mean, something you gotta give the people some entertainment you know hopefully you get some you get some more more folks That's on true. the station so you know hollow sweet programs you know you could get nice lounge singer going possibilities are endless yeah
0: Yeah, a few uh, dabo girls, you know, (laughs) stuff like that, play some darts, get some cool, you know, remember the Alamo, Hollow Sweet programs, it'll be great.
1: Why, why not? (laughs) Why not? Why the heck not?
0: Oh, good grief. Okay, so, as I was saying before, uh, we're going to be talking about this book. And uh, if you guys haven't, haven't had a chance to, you know, read the book, or at least have you if you've never heard of the book then please you know go get it um, especially if you have like the audible thing where you pay so much per month where you get credits uh, this is a very quick listen I think it's like 11 12 hours something like that on audible right. yeah and I mean it's a I think it's 15 chapters if I'm not mistaken uh, as the as a book yeah. So yeah, there's there's five chapters per section. There's three sections in it. Uh, don't want to get uh, too far off the rails quite yet with this, but uh, anyway, it's called Star Trek: Picard, The Last Best Hope. It's been it was written by uh, New York Times bestselling New York Times bestselling author Una McCormick, and she has written um, a handful of of a, like geek subculture type books. So uh, there's been I think at least two other star trek books that she's written there's at least three maybe four doctor who books that she's written and i think there's one other fandom that i can't quite remember but i know definitely star trek and doctor who up to this point yeah
1: i I knew i recognized the name i just for some reason i had a hard time placing it until later a note about the audiobook because i I mean for me i i can assimilate a lot of uh a lot of literature yeah it's good (laughs) Uh, assimilate a lot of information literary wise through Audible nowadays just pop it in at work did you what did you think about the voice actors uh, Picard voice
0: so let me let me say this I will answer that <laughs> I was I was super hesitant about downloading the audiobook because I wanted to hear Patrick Stewart's mm voice in my head as I was reading it okay I wanted to hear all the characters voices as I was reading it so I'm like I'm on this road trip I really want to finish this thing so I downloaded it and I heard the the Picard thing and I'm like it's not spot on but it's not horrible and uh I enjoyed it for the most part
1: it it, it. For some reason it, it did not hit as well for me I I, I thought as a as a reader and, and several of the other voices it was it was really good I don't know <laughs> for, for some some reason it just didn't work a hundred percent but like you know I mean there are so many great folks out there doing doing audiobooks. I mean I, you've have you listened to like say the Lord of the Rings, the audiobooks of the Lord of the Rings Rob Anggli Mm-hmm. Um I always enjoyed yes. him, uh, Patrick Tull's another one he does uh, some of the Patrick O'Brien books that I like. Um so th- there're a lot out there. Guy was good. I just for some reason, I don't know. I don't know why that voice just kind of caught me a little bit. The rest was was very good. It, it was it was well presented though.
0: There was one voice, and I can't remember which one it was, but it just sounded very childish and it wasn't like Elnor okay it wasn't that at all it was I want to say it was either the the chosen voice for perhaps Rafi or maybe it was Girati <sighs> but one of them I just thought sounded very very childish
1: I, I feel like that might have been Girati I'm not it's been a couple days but I kind of feel I feel like that one might but honestly like I don't know some of the well we can get into that but uh, some of the portrayal of her, I mean, she she does in sections of here come off as a little bit naive at this point, but she's also young sure. and, and kind of at the start of the the greater journey. So that's another story.
0: Well, okay, so let's let's talk timeline for a second, okay? Just so we know kind of where we're at yep. in in the grand scheme of things. So the book, like I was saying, has three sections to it. And in each section, uh, I, I can't remember if they did it in the audiobook or not, but I know they definitely have the dividers in the book, so part one, uh, which is called The Hope, is from 2381 to 82, and then you get to, uh, a little later on, uh, when you get to chapter 10, and I believe it's twenty three. eighty three? does that yeah, sound I right? Yeah, I so, yeah. 20,
1: 2383 to
0: 2384. Is what it is, and then uh, that's called the best for that second uh, divider, and then the final one is called the last, and that takes place in the year twenty three eighty five. So twenty three. So the Picard show takes place in twenty three ninety nine. Okay. Yeah, I'm ninety nine percent sure that's right. Yeah. So. So 2399 is when the Picard show is taking place, 2379 is when Star Trek Nemesis took place. So basically, from the end of Nemesis to the beginning of this book, uh, it's just been two years. And then from 2385 to 2399, it's basically all like unknown stuff basically. So we have 14 year gap. So that's kind of where we're sitting. I hope that didn't confuse anyone too much. Did I confuse you at all, David?
1: Uh, I totally understand. <clears throat> <laughs> that's I'm good. just No, no, I get you. <laughs> You're good.
0: Okay. So just... And then for anyone that read the comic, um, the, the three-issue comic that Dave and I were just kind of talking about very briefly, that there's an opening scene that takes place... Initially in 2386, but the rest of it takes place in 2385. So the comic, the Picard Countdown comic, is more or less taking place at the mid to tail end of what's happening in this book. So if you need like, you know, an org chart or, you know, concentric (laughs) circles or whatever to be able to understand this, just let me know and I'll put something (laughs) together or I'll make David do it
1: give him a nice colorful graph.
0: Have you by the way have you seen the there's a there's a um, a piece of of work where it tells you like how to read the Star Trek uh, literature?
1: I have you seen that? seen that? No.
0: Okay. So I got to I got to show this to you then. It's it's pretty it's pretty gnarly, dude. Uh, it it's Anyways, if I can find it at some point I will I'm definitely gonna show you, but it's it's just absolutely nuts, like all the arrows and the colors and like this story connects to this story when a good a good time to, to jump in is and I'm like, oh good grief. Just read the dang book however you wanna read it. Well, the
1: Star Wars universe is no no better. Everything's chopped and this isn't canon, this is canon. Here's the here's the actual way you're supposed to watch the chronologically ordered movies I don't know, so I think that happens across the board oh man
0: alright oh, there it is, the almighty Star Trek lit verse reading flowchart it's a friggin' (laughs) flowchart so you guys can't see this right now but I'm about to show David just so he can just have a good laugh at it And if you guys really want, I can I can post this in the group or on Twitter or whatever for y'all to to look at. Jeez. But all these colors and arrows and <sighs> it looks like a freaking Car schematic or something.
1: Wow, that's um, you see that? That's a chart. <laughs> oh, and
0: there's like a legend oh in goodness. everything.
1: That's <gasps> a. It's a very organized person who created this. I, I tip my cap to him, but you have too much time on their oh,
0: yeah. hands. Too much time on their hands. Okay, so, um, we started talking about the the voice acting on this. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to to say besides the Picard thing? Picard voice might not have done it for you.
1: Uh, just from the audiobook standpoint, or you want to do some general sort of thoughts about the about the book in general?
0: Um, uh, we can just go with just like the general, okay. uh, I guess voice acting, and then we can kind of move in deeper with that. Okay.
1: I mean, it, yeah. As, as far as the audiobook went, I I, th- I think aside from maybe just having a slight disconnect with the Picard voice, I you know, I think it was it was a decent. Uh, uh, a decent uh, read- through uh, I think if you're a fan of audiobooks it'll it'll definitely get you through and like chase said 11 12 hours uh, it's it's really kind of short I could have completed it faster than what I did but you know had some things come up so it it took me about you know about two and a half days to, to kind of get through it through it and then uh, but no it was it was it was solid It is solid and um, you know if you do enjoy Star Trek and if you enjoy audiobooks and if you enjoy the Picard series it's a, it's a good place to jump in.
0: Totally. Totally. All right. Um, so let's I guess let's go ahead and and jump right in. So 2381, okay? The Hope is where we start this first section. And we find out that Picard is still on the Enterprise-E. The Enterprise-E is alive and well two years after we last saw it and they're off doing their own thing. And then there's like some news that eventually starts to break about Romulus and do you want to take it from there at all?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we we kind of know about this, this uh, even before this book from, you know, the comic and so forth, but... Yeah, the Romulan sun is uh is about to just you know extinct a good portion of their uh their little home galaxy there, um and yeah I, I thought it was I thought it was actually interesting that the Enterprise E was still out I'm gonna have to go back and watch Nemesis because God, for some reason I thought it was like really really beat up after that movie. Um, well, I
0: mean it, it was
1: for credit. I mean like it rammed yeah, right, right
0: into into that thing but like and they went back to to space dock uh, or to dry dock to get like fixed and refit and everything so I mean yeah that was like I said that was 2379 whenever Nemesis took place so So, Lord knows how long it took to get the Enterprise fixed but no
1: it was was, it's good to good to see the old Enterprise he's just still chugging around um (laughs) and uh yeah we we have we have kind of the the uh you, and you, you might fill in a few pieces, too, because, uh, again, there might be portions that I forget. But anyway, um, we do kind of get this uh, recall of, of Picard to Earth, um, Admiral Bordson. And then we also get uh, Captain at this point, Kirsten Clancy, who uh, who mm-hmm. is our Admiral in Picard that um, <clears throat> wasn't very nice to Picard
0: later. Not so much. Not this so actually
1: much. does give... I, I I think... I don't remember so much if you talked about it a lot. I think you did. Um, but it, it. her response... Because that was like... God, that was the first show. Um, her response... Or no, second show. Uh, but anyway, her, her response yeah. to Picard uh, being so blunt and, and just unkind... Uh, makes a little bit more sense to me after this book I, I can kind of actually sympathize a little bit with her uh, after getting through some of this so that's interesting but, uh, but yeah Captain Clancy Admiral Boardson, and uh, you know the we get this uh, meeting to inform Picard about you know effectively what's happening to the Romulans and uh, what, what will happen and um I got I gotta say I gotta say uh, uh, there's some there's some deep stuff that we kind of text back and forth about and it kind of starts right here honestly but um, but basically sure. it, it, the Admiral and, and Clancy kind of already expect Picard to be the one to sort of lead the the quote rescue effort this this relief mission. Uh, and, and Picard's very, very for it, which is interesting because, you, you know, you brought up the dates, and I, I guess I never really thought about how long um, Nemesis was from, from this, from this time period. I didn't really think about that. And it, with such short a time, I mean, uh, the Romulans have never been the Federation's best buddy, although we did have some good times, at, you know, with DS9 and the Dominion Wars. But, you know, I mean, their, their culture is kind of one of secrets and, and and some distrust. And we'll get into a little bit more of that in the book. But um, he was just so eager. He was just so eager to, to do this. It's, it's the right thing to do. That's kind of a common thing, the right thing to do. And, you know, they already had him in office. And then he's now Admiral Puckard the thing that he kind of not just that but
0: sorry go <laughs> go ahead the, the kind of thing no i was
1: just saying that the, the kind of thing that honestly he he was one of those characters that i just think he was best as a captain kind of like kirk in a way because i mean kirk was an admiral and then he was demoted in um uh what was it the boy vo- at the end the end of voyage home voyage home and uh you know, you serve, uh, you're going to serve Starfleet basically in, in your best capacity, which is captain for him. And, you know, Picard, he's, he's uh, I don't know, it, it, th- there was something about that. And I even made a note a little later on that um, I, I, I wrote, I think Picard needs a crew, like his crew, not a crew, but his crew, because he does have a crew. But so much of like the next generation looking back at that the crew that was built in there there were so many different functions that that even though he was the quote leader they helped him along you had you had Riker who was just like a strong you know backbone for everything you know troy bringing the empathy uh you know jordy you know bringing this this uh this knowledge in and in a, in a way to, you know, Tech fix savvy. things that needed fixed. Data's, you know, logic and, and wharfs just, you know, Klingon stuff. <laughs> Ron. <We're> <laughs> and my axe. Um, but <laughs> but there was a point of this book where I just, I wrote down and I said, God, he needs his crew. He needs his crew. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But anyway, yeah, is... Uh, is made made an admiral and uh, given this. Just here, go to it, Picard. Have fun, lead the mission.
0: <laughs> so one one thing I was thinking er, er, around this early part in this first section, whenever you know these this whole process is taking place, really in the first chapter or two of this book, is I'm, I'm going back to to Star Trek Generations mm. when when Picard and Kirk are both in the Nexus and they're on horseback and they get to like this little what like a ravine or something like that that scare, that scares Kirk every single time or at least it used to but it doesn't scare him anymore despite being in the Nexus right. and he gives Picard this advice, this, this pep talk whatever it is uh, you know, don't let them promote you don't let them get you off that bridge because while you're on that bridge you make a difference right. and it looks like Picard is, is really taking that to heart, or at least that's kind of how I, I interpret it, how I experienced it in the numerous times I've been watching Generations. In fact, I was watching Generations uh, last night uh, to kind of look at yeah. that. And, and that was the thing that I'm like, I know that that was, you know, that was about 18 years earlier that he had that conversation with Kirk. Um, Not 18 years, I'm sorry. Not 18 years. It was about... 23, 80... Like, about 9 or 10. Okay, we'll just call it 10. About 10 years earlier that he was having that conversation with Kirk. And I'm just wondering, like, what has happened to Picard in the 10 years since basically the television show ended and nemesis ended basically for him to get to this point to where he's just so willing to just do it just to do it.
1: Yeah. And there were, there were two ideas. Um, And I'll say one thing that I think was played up in this book quite a bit was the, the experience with the Borg, you know, it was, you know, I made the probably very, uh unrelatable joke earlier about Picard, you know, putting his hand to his face, you know, where he had the implant. And they they made yeah. mention of that several times when he was like frustrated or nervous. And it's like it, it, kinda like when you when you cross your arms across your vital organs, it's a natural response to protect yourself. Whereas he goes for the thing that hurt him the most. So I think that I think that beyond my conspiracy theory, I think that one of the big things for Picard is that, and I, I don't I don't remember if it was in the show. I think it was in the show, but you know he basically said, "Yeah, it was." And well, <laughs> I don't want to screw up anything for you, but basically there was a quotation where he he talks about almost needing a mission, and I think at this point maybe he needs this big mission to somehow, I don't know, it might be as simple as like psychologically filling the void that he still kind of has from those experiences maybe, but I just thought it was interesting that they kept kept bringing, bringing this up, and, and, and again, it might be the right thing to do, as he, he often quotes, but I kind of wonder if he's doing this a little bit more, I don't know if he's still thinking about atonement for some past stuff, or or if it's just, I need the next big mission. So,
0: and yeah and if you want to spoil that now that you've talked all around it you can like whenever we're, we're speaking about you're, you're referring to like the dinner yes. scene in the episode in the yeah, correct yeah. where he's he's trying to uh, not get he's, he's trying to reach out to Soji to establish trust and his own sincerity with her more or less and that even talking to Deanna in the episode two, like how he hasn't really felt alive or useful more or less. And now he feels like he does. And now that he has a mission, nothing can stop him basically.
1: Yeah. So I don't know if that's, which
0: she hasn't felt that way in, in 14 years. Right. Cause he's just been growing grapes, squashing <laughs> them with his feet and bottling it and selling it. Yeah. Does I mean, he sell how it? Do you, do you because you know the Federation has no need for for money, you know, unless the plot demands it. Goodness. Bas- basically.
1: One one other little tidbit here that I do want to make uh, uh, do want to make a point of. So during the conversations here, uh, Picard does suggest Worf to take over the Enterprise. And sort of an interesting conversation. I know Clancy uh, was resistant to this idea because of some of his past and, you know, some of the, the decisions that he made. There was, uh, what were they talking about? He, you know, goes to save um, his, his wife at the time. Jetsia. Yeah, Jetsia. In lieu of, uh, you know, bringing back an operative. So I, I think that um, I thought that that was really cool. Obviously, I, I like the Klingons. It's probably one of my more favorite parts, I, I guess. I've always just enjoyed that. But it's kind of cool to see, you know, Worf. Um, now he's, you know, he's Captain Worf. He's going to be the captain of the flagship. And and Picard makes a very impassioned speech about this. It's like, you know, l- look at how far we've come with the with the Klingons we are such great friends now that literally we're talking about promoting a Klingon to the captain of the flagship of the enterprise and how far would that go? So, you know, putting that politicking move in there. And so we, we now have captain Worf.
0: Yeah. And I was, I was kind of talking about this with Eric last in last week's engage for the impossible box, how, how, you know, you, at the beginning of the episode for the Impossible Box, and for anyone that hasn't seen it, spoilers, I guess, um, he's talking about how the Borg metastasize, and they can't, they're, they're not redeemable, basically. They metastasize. And, and one of the points that I, I made with Eric was, you know, as you go through the Impossible Box, you see that, you know, Picard is starting to have a little bit more sympathy and kind of come around when it comes to the Borg. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, like, you know, it almost seems like this is Picard's undiscovered country moment in much the same way that Kirk and the Klingons were in the undiscovered country because of, like, all the pain and them being, like, the main thing for the original series crew. And the Borg had been the main thing for the Next Generation crew. So I think it would be very interesting you know, as we talk about this, I know we have Worf who is in this book is being named the captain of the enterprise E after Picard is promoted to admiral. What do you think about this? And if I'm jumping your own timeline of stuff that you want to talk about, what do you think about this, David? Do you think and I'm, I'm being serious? Do you think that there would be an opportunity for an XB, an X-Borg, to become a captain of a future enterprise or a future, starfleet flagship
1: oh man it's a good question i mean i I think i think part of the what we all want starfleet to be is is inclusive understanding having the ability to put away grudges and that's that's hard i think hugh was uh is a good example of of a lot of what you know, you kind of hope the Borg can achieve. Now, would I say a Borg could potentially become a captain of a ship within Starfleet at some point? I mean, it's possible. I mean, for God's sake, they took Nog, so I, if you're gonna take a Frangi. I mean, Nog no, was pretty kidding. amazing. <laughs> Nog was great, but I mean, it, it's it's possible. I think. Um, I think that that would take a long time though, if it ever did happen just strictly because I mean, people don't blame the individual, but I think that I think that there's too much fear around it to, to be anything that would be, you know, you know, coming up here's, here's, you know, your first board, former Borg cadet. So I don't know. I think that'd be a tough one, but it, I mean, it could happen uh, well, heck you could have had somebody who was a captain was assimilated and then comes back. I guess that might be a little bit more logical way to do yeah, it. That's a
0: good workaround right yeah. there.
1: Yeah, I can see it. I mean I mean
0: I think the closest we had to a Borg uh, almost becoming like a captain of sorts and again, spoilers, is Echob. Mm, yeah. I mean Echeb Icheb started his his Starfleet training on Voyager. Uh, in the final season and he had to have continued it upon returning with Voyager and then we see him you know in Stardust City Rag so that would have probably been the closest thing unless you know 709 decides to you know become an officer somehow then rises to the rank of captain anyways we're we're off the rails we're we're, we're really in the weeds on okay this.
1: so about Jordy LaForge so <clears throat> it's good to hear from Jordy again he uh he, he's, he's alive he's alive so far um I uh I think uh, when I was a kid there was something about Jordy that I really enjoyed I don't know if it was just you know he was he was so different with the with the visor, and and it was kind of well, what's what's this character about? Um, and thankfully, they they did explore him a little bit more because I mean, initially he was um, was he a navigator or? Hey, it was a navigator, wasn't he? Yeah.
0: So, Jordy was the original uh, uh, helms, helms officer. Off. Helms yeah, officer for the Enterprise in uh, in season mm-hmm. one. Prior to everything getting you, you, turned around, upside you had a down.
1: different, uh, a different engineer every every week.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know the part of what what his the the, the rationale was for him, the, from what I understand, is he was blind, and the blind man is flying the ship, <laughs> was what was intended, yeah. and. I mean, you can laugh about it now, but I mean, like, I mean, seriously, like that's, I mean, they probably laughed about yeah. it in the eighties too, but yeah, I mean, before he became the chief engineer of the enterprise, I mean, he was meant to fly the ship. So, there yeah,
1: I was, I was glad to see that he got explored back then, but anyway, yeah, he, he pops up here. Uh, I think Picard always had it in his mind that he wanted Geordi to be a part of this, but uh, it kind of took Geordi being like, listen, how long have we known each other? I'm, I'm already packed. Just say the word. And he gets sent to uh, well, and
0: yeah, he get, he gets sent to Utopia Planitia. Yep. But that was the thing that I was like, wait a second. Okay, if I'm if I'm reading this book right, if I'm understanding this story right, Picard goes down, gets the job. He's already got the name placard in his office. <laughs> He's got like a ficus or something <laughs> in there, you know, to kind of liven it up, and. <laughs> And he's like making the calls to everyone. <laughs> he tells Worf like, "Yeah, you're promoted. Good job. Yeah. You got your fourth pip now. Well done." And talks to Crusher, wondering if Crusher's going to come with yep. him, stuff like that. And then we get to Jordy, like you're talking about. And Jordy, it sounds like he's saying, "Lookie, I'm going to be the commander of Utopia Planitia. I'm going to run this thing." Yeah. And you're going to tell me that I'm going to run this thing. That's kind of how I experienced that, that part of the storytelling. If I just read it wrong, then that's on me. But what what do you think? Did you get that same impression as you were reading it or, or listening to it, whatever? For, for
1: me, um, <clears throat> so don't take any offense to this, anybody, but Jordy's, Jordy's a big nerd, okay? He is an engineer he, by trade, but he's a guy that sees, I think he sees a lot more than people think and when he sees this potential for literally he even says that the biggest engineering issue of our age you know I, I think for him that just gets him excited so commander of utopia utopia, utopia planitia can't talk um, I don't necessarily think that that was, that was the drive but I did think it was funny the conversation cause like he's so frank with Picard He's he he's he's so comfortable with his captain now. And I do want to talk a little bit about the, the comfortability as well after this, but he basically was like, Hey, I don't I don't think he knew where he was gonna place him, but he's like, Listen, I'm coming because you know I mean, Picard, you know, you might know how to, you know, Adjust the alignment of the ship, or you know, fly some stuff. But I'm the engineer here. Okay, I'm your Scotty. I get you out of this stuff. You know, I got the baby space sucking alien off of off of the ship forever ago. I figured out the the Samaritan <laughs> snare. I know what's going on. Okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna solve this this <laughs> shipbuilding crisis for you. So I thought that was
0: I I, <laughs> I made a hollow I made a hollow babe I made a hollow babe on a on how to uh, get us. <laughs> Get us out of a minefield.
1: <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! What? Uh, and then they brought her back later. What a what a trip! But yeah, I, I thought that I thought it was cool. I also thought the um, the conversation with Crusher was also kind of interesting as well. There's always been a a thing there, you know, an underlying thing that we're never going to quite ever explore fully. Um, although the naked now man. That was probably one of the hardest times I ever laughed was when Picard just sort of goes in that room. And is like <laughs> Beverly <laughs> that killed me. That killed me. <laughs> There's always been something there, but that conversation was like, Oh my God, just get it over and kiss. Okay. It's like, Oh, he wanted to ask her to come too. Oh, it'd be really valuable, but I, I don't know. I can't do it. And he did. not So, um, I- but that's the thing too like
0: the way like a- again as I was reading the, the story and again we're like only in like <laughs> chapter what <laughs> yeah. two or three right now okay so at the end of Nem- so we got to remember that end of season one of the next generation Dr. Crusher goes off to Starfleet medical mm. because she got butt <laughs> hurt. basically oh, no, 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 no. Anyway, so her character goes to to Star- I'm sorry, folks, for y'all listening. Just, just laugh at that. It's okay. She goes to Starfleet Medical, <laughs> and then uh, she comes back, and she's Chief Medical Officer of the Enterprise D&E up through the events of Star Trek Nemesis, where everyone go- basically goes their separate yeah. way. And again, she goes back to Starfleet Medical. So she's not on the Enterprise E. And the way that I was reading it, it made it seem like she was on the E, because he was making all these calls, all these transmissions, to the Enterprise. Now, yeah. I could have just Missed a minor little detail, and that's that's on me again. But I mean, it's not like I don't know. Like it wouldn't have been that big of a deal, you know. What regardless that, that that's if, whether she was on the E or a, a matter. Yeah, that that's the way
1: I read it too. For some reason, that she was she was on the Enterprise for some reason. But I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I I I thought it was again. You know, maybe it's a little little indulgent for the fans, which is not a bad thing, but. It was kind of good to have a couple couple of conversations. Although I would have, I would have, I would have been interested to hear just a little snippet uh, from from Picard and Worf. Just thank you, Captain. I'm very honored. That would have been great. I love Worf's deadpan, man. I've always loved mm-hmm. that character. So, um, couple things I wanted to just bring up here, because some of this started in the in the the Clancy. Uh, Borden and uh, Picard conversation initially we, and we, we, we I know you've talked about it we've talked about it everybody's talked about it the use of of, of cussing so first and foremost my first yes. criticism I need to teach this writer how to use the D word keep it family friendly because um, <laughs> like there was so many instances this is a podcast
0: after all now
1: I don't want to get you in trouble with <laughs> somebody uh, but you know, just just the usage of certain words like, listen, I'm no curse word aficionado. It's you know, I don't drink them down like fine wine, but there's there's just something about the usage that it's like, have you ever cussed in your life like just in anger? Um, so that was a little odd, but I gotta say, you don't have to write like that. And and I, I don't want to overly criticize the writer because it's her book, it's her vision, and it's cool. But you don't have to do that. There there there's a time and a place. But I always felt like you can let your writing do a lot more talking than res, you know than resorting to using curse. So for me, I I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of that. I, I'm not a I haven't been a huge fan of it in the series either. I, I think it was more amplified in this book though so that's just that's my goody two shoes gripe of the day and I'll leave it there
0: <laughs> good good I'm glad you were the goody two shoes for me instead but, but like yeah like that's that's the thing that's been my gripe too is uh, like I'm okay with like the campy feel of, of like the 60s 70s 80s and 90s you know of Star Trek I'm I'm okay with that, and like, it just being this squeaky clean type of thing. And now, granted, you you'd have like, you know, like the like a a, a stray one here and there, maybe not that very stray, but like you'd hear Riker and Picard saying some stuff here and yeah. there, but nothing like f bombs and and stuff like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, it was a little odd.
0: Like like we're seeing. Yeah, and we're we're seeing like that in the book, and we're seeing it in, in both television shows, yeah. Discovery and in Picard. So, well,
1: another
0: yeah, it's it's a little much. Another
1: thing, just adding on to that, because it happens. um You know, eventually we meet Rafi as well, but it happens with her a little bit too much with Picard. Now, I, I'm. I never served in the military, so I'm I'm not gonna like overtalk it. But I know a lot of folks that did. Uh, my my grandfather was a career guy, and I I know that like there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. But you just don't say those type of things in front of a superior officer like that. I think some of the some of the comfortability tested the bounds of you know discipline because although Starfleet is. You know, they always want to say they're not technically a military, like, entity. They still have a bit of that discipline there. So I, I, I kind of question that a little bit as well. Although Raffi, and, and we see it in the series too, you know, JL, calling Picard JL. And that's been, pre- it was in the comic as well. That familiarity is great, but I, I just, I feel like there are certain boundaries between superiors that maybe... That probably wouldn't have been tolerated. And then I start to think that, like, is Picard starting to get a little soft here? You know what I mean? Because like when he when he walked on the enterprise, all right, the first time, episode one, yeah. this yeah. guy is a rigid uh, by the book kind of guy who eventually tested certain boundaries, eventually got comfortable but that took a number of years now you're putting him in place with a whole new group of people and it just seems like he is almost too lax for where I feel he would be at this point I don't know if you agree but
0: no I, I agree and and I want to I kind of speak to something real quick like when it comes to like this like respect kind of thing so I never served in the military. I tried, I legitimately tried. I was in, I was trying to go into the Air Force as an officer, I was in ROTC in college. And like, it didn't matter if one of the senior cadets that was like one of my my flight, like my flight commander or my squadron wing group commander, it didn't matter if I saw them in uniform or out of uniform, it was always sir or ma'am period even if I was like stupid good friends with them outside of outside of ROTC if we walked you know down to the main part of campus to get like Wendy's or Jimmy John's it didn't matter if we were in civvies or in our uniform I was always like super super respectful of them and like beyond the military like there are just there's one other man and he's no longer living so it doesn't really matter anymore but even if he was still living i would never call him by his first name or even a nickname and that's my old scoutmaster from boy scouts i would never i i would never ever call my scoutmaster by name by their first name or nickname even even now in my 30s and you know i was i mentioned this to eric and i don't want to get like too bogged down with this but like you got to remember that Picard and Riker served together for at least 15 yeah. years on for 15 years, okay? And Rafi has just been brought on to this thing because you know, Picard is like, "Man, you got some you got some gumption about you. You got a little piss and vinegar and I like it."
1: Well, and and he did say he wanted and, somebody who wasn't afraid of him, but <laughs> You cannot be afraid of somebody, but still have the respect.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And like within like, uh, it was kind of hard to track like from chapter to chapter, how much time had elapsed. So I might get like some timing mixed up, but like whether it was a week or, or a few months or a year, just all of a sudden start, just decide to call him JL and then just call him JL in front of other officers. Like that wouldn't fly like in yeah. today's military that wouldn't fly at all. There has to be a certain level of decorum when it comes to that right. kind of thing, especially for an admiral who's a flag officer for yeah. crying out loud. It, like you are a lieutenant commander. Yeah. You're not even a three you're not even a full gold 3 pip. You are a lieutenant commander. Like you're you're still like middle of the road officer right. for the most part addressing your flag officer this way that's not cool man
1: and i mean i I like i like rafi a lot I, i think that she she has a a personality that really i think she can resonate with a lot of a lot of people a little bit a little bit better than than some of the characters just because she's she's a little bit more loose about things but it makes me wonder like if, if these are the kind of outbursts, cause like literally I think it was during her interview. Cause she has an interview. Uh, Picard basically already had her in mind for his XO and not, not just like come on the team, stay on earth, have fun, but come with me for months, potential years on end as my XO second in command on my, my number one on my ship that I'm going to be getting. And, uh, like how did she kind of even make it to this rank? Well, uh, sorry, brain, brain stutter. But during the interview, I think she even cusses in there too. Like, out of surprise, how did she make it this far, this far, and not have an outburst like that? But all of a sudden, in front of an admiral who you even admit is the great man, and then you have that outburst there. That it just sort of seemed, it sort of seemed a little weird. And and again, I don't want to rag on plot holes or. or writing or whatever I, I just i found it to be a little odd but i still like raffi she's she's a she's a cool character i'm glad they came up with her
0: yeah and like here's the thing like i i think i think it's generally accepted that when you don't know someone you don't feel comfortable to be your quote-unquote true self yeah. around them yeah you want to put your best foot forward so like whether I'm meeting you for the first time, David, or any of our mutual friends, or just anyone, like my like if I'm meeting my pastor for the first time, if I'm going to a new church, I'm going to put my, my best foot forward with yeah. them. And as I get more comfortable with you, you know, I can be more crass if I want to. I can be more goofy if I want to. I can be more me. And with, like you were saying, there's this admittance of he is this great man. He, she calls him the great yep. man. And and it just doesn't seem as well ba- balanced great character I enjoy her in the book the comic and the show it's just that it's kind of like eh, a little bit yeah with her yeah
1: just a little strange but um be yeah, now now he has X he's got his little office set up uh kind of this the start of of everything and and then uh, I think the net, kind of the next big portion here was uh, was really with Jordy, kind of trying to lay down the law a little bit in Utopia Pl- uh, Planitia, and you know, basically trying to solve this problem of how to how to make ships faster, better. But
0: before before we talk about Jordy, let's let's kind of uh, wrap up a little oh, bit. Sure. And, and you and I were kind of talking about this pre-show um, about. In the first chapter or two, not to backtrack no, too much, with um, this idea of of calling uh, Picard, oh, Jean yeah. Picard, Monsieur.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you remembered that. I even had it on my notepad.
0: <laughs> so before we get too far along and talk about Jordy and the building of stuff yeah. and the later stuff, uh, I know that was something that maybe irked you a little bit. Or made you scratch your head a little bit? Yeah,
1: it, it. I I understand that at the point where he is, you know, being addressed by that, you know, he's he's out of Starfleet. He's at his chateau and everything. And again, we all understand that he's French, but it just seemed very strange to me to just re- re- Monsieur Picard. I mean, I I don't know. It just seemed odd to me, and and I don't I don't. I don't exactly know if I can pinpoint that, but it happens in the beginning and then it also happens at the end, again, kinda of when we're when we're through a lot of this. And I think it's I think it's more of a literary device to denote that he's not a captain, he's not an admiral, he's not in Starfleet, so who is he? Well he's Jean Luc Picard. I don't know that I don't know what else to call him. I would never just like, oh Monsieur Picard, you know. I, I just it it felt weird to me. Very weird. <laughs>
0: And that was, that was some, I I mean, I didn't mind it, but it was kind of like, eh? Whenever I watched uh, Remembrance, the first episode Mm of Star Trek Mm -hmm. Picard, where him and number one, his pet dog, they're, they're roaming the vineyard and he just kneels down and starts speaking French to his dog. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And one, one little note that I made, and this was me keeping my finger on the button so I didn't forget, uh, was... I remember there being at least I think I remember there being this conversation of an idea about about the French and the British and the fact that I mean Patrick Stewart is very British yeah. for crying out loud. I mean he drinks tea, he orders tea in pretty much every episode for crying <laughs> yeah. out loud. And one of the things that they were talking about, and and I for any of you UK listeners, please don't don't hate tweet me or anything like that, but it's my understanding that at one point, or maybe even currently, that the British hate the French and the French hate the British. And, or, or something to that effect. And that part of like, well, why, why does he have a French name but he's a Brit? And part of it was, well, the British have completely taken over France. And you know, they've they've infiltrated, you know, French culture and stuff to the point that they don't even have a French accent anymore. They're all British. Wow. So that was just something I remember, like, seeing or hearing or something in an interview. Interesting. Either on, like, a DVD or a YouTube or a panel or something. And I thought it was just interesting. And It, it just, that kind of perked, percolated a little bit whenever this Monsieur thing was going on that you and I
1: were talking yeah. about. Yeah, it, it it just, it seemed to, it for some reason just hit me as odd, but uh, I, 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 again, I understand why it's there. It just, yeah, take it or leave it. It's hard when you're dealing with a super British actor, and that's all I think about is Picard, but oh yeah, that's right, he's French. But he drinks Earl Grey tea. Well, he does drink wine too. He has a chateau, okay. Anyway.
0: Anyway, so let's kind of jump back in. Unless there's more stuff that you want to talk about, no, I think we can move on. Beginning stuff with Bigger. Okay, so really, what's happening next is it's just a lot more setup. We're we're get, we're meeting more characters as these chapters go on, and like we were starting to talk about, there's there's Jordy. Geordi. Jordy's basically said, "I'm gonna be the commander of Utopia Planitia. Yep. I'm gonna be the one that's gonna kind of help you make this crap happen." And there's just stuff that's kind of starting to you know, pop up with different engineering characters that are coming into his office, trying to tell him, you can't do this. You're not gonna be able to do this. And this is why you can't do this. And we start to have these conversations of how are we gonna get these, like, these pieces that need to be made for all these ships when these pieces are handmade and we don't have the manpower to do so. And there's this novel idea that this engineering person has in mind, and that is synthetic labor. And that's where we're basically introduced to synths being part of this part of the timeline.
1: Did you find it strange that there are still parts that have to be made by hand?
0: A little bit. I'm like, what really has to be made by hand?
1: Yeah, I, f- I found that to be a little bit strange to me. Like, with all your technology, y- y- you're, you're specifically calling out that there are parts that have to be done by human hand. Um, that seemed a little strange, and maybe that's more a device to get the synths in here. But yeah, um, gosh, I can't remember her name. It was it was Mackenzie... Uh, um, Maybe that was the last name. I should have written written names down. I'm usually bad about doing that in my notes, but uh, yeah, it kind of gets this idea about um, about the potential for, for uh, goodness. I'm not an engineer, and I don't remember all the engineering terms. They're all made up anyway. But uh, eventually, this kind of leads Geordie to uh, to good old Bruce Maddox and the Daystrom Institute. So. Good old Bruce, just being a professor, being a poor professor <laughs> to, to people, and you know what? Jordy still holds a lot of dislike for Maddox, just dating back to when he effectively okay. wanted to take apart Data, his best friend. Uh, so I, I don't know. He, yeah. he automatically thought about him, but he's I, there was there was a lot of animosity for that. It was uh, it was kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, and the, okay, I, I don't know if this is too soon to talk about it. <laughs> it's never too but soon. Maddox, Maddox, <laughs> Maddox just seems like he's a very unhappy individual. Yeah. I just, I, I know that it's called Star Trek: Picard, the last best hope, not Star Trek Maddox, but. <sighs> I don't know if it, I mean, I really don't know if it would matter that much, but like what has been happening, you know, from basically 2360, I think it was like four or five to now in 2381, like what's been happening for him the last 15, 16 years where he's stopped researching and started teaching? Like, how did he get away from his Love of inventing and and like technical exploration. Because he's just like really unhappy at this point in the book and I just don't get it.
1: You know, one thing I've always been fascinated with is because obviously Noonie and Soon was, I mean, the only one to really create, you know, quote, life. And this is what Maddox strives for. Do you think... Do you think he ever got to the point where he's just like I can't do it? Do you think that might have been an epiphany for him like I can't do what soon did? I, I don't I don't have the ability or the knowledge and maybe that's why he kind of broke away. Maybe it was his own sort of like, you know, personal or internal crisis maybe?
0: Perhaps. I mean, it it's certainly it's certainly possible, but I mean like when was it? Data's day That was a, I think that was a season four episode of Next Gen. It's the episode where Miles and Keiko are getting married. Spoilers. And and we're not going to talk about Miles (laughs) or Keiko, but like (laughs) what what an episode. As much as I want to, Um, but like that entire episode is him, you know, logging everything. It's basically writing him writing a letter to Maddox saying these are my experiences. As I go through all this stuff, basically, right. and and Data was so willing to help Maddox with stuff, so I don't, I don't know, just something's just not making sense for me. But I, again, like that's I don't want to get too much into like that that you know rabbit trail type of stuff. Right. But anyways, he's he's a very unhappy person. He he's. He's kind of enjoying being a professor, but mostly not.
1: We avoid students, you know. That's a, that's a great professor right there. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I know that all my favorite professors ignored me. Uh, you know, I think that was my greatest college experience was being ignored by, by professors when I had questions. So, yeah. Office hours? <laughs> all right. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? That's uh, That's funny. But this is also when we get uh, when we get Girardi as well, Agnes Girardi.
0: Yeah should I should I have the computer insert some music right now? What kind of music? Okay, get ready for this, computer. Play "Hot for
1: Teacher." <laughs> oh my god! Oh, she was on from the from just jump street man Whoo! you're a genius bruce yeah you're the well doctor i don't know it's like you're just a genius you're the greatest man i've ever seen who awkward i
0: look up to you <laughs> yeah yeah and like I mean there's already like a major age gap. I talked about that mm-hmm. before, but there's there's already a very significant age gap going on and so she was part of Starfleet Academy and she's doing this internship thingy thing with the Daystrom Institute. And it's only going to be for a year and then she's going to go back to Starfleet. It was it was Starfleet Academy, right? It wasn't just Starfleet?
1: Uh I want to say it was, yeah, Starfleet Academy, I I think, yeah.
0: So, anyways, that's where this little romance something or another starts, is at this point in the timeline, 2381, 18 years prior to the show, I should say. One more time, for those in the back, this is 18 years before Star Trek Picard happens. Oh, goodness. Okay,
1: yeah. The, the secret, right, the secret on. romance, the secret world hopping, country hopping romance <laughs> with lots of cake eating. Wow, uh, so much cake! <laughs> we can skip past that at any time. <laughs> well, she, she does, however, um, start sort of a thought process in his head that does eventually lead him down other research paths as well um, so she does in a way spark his imagination um, there was a line in, in the show where he basically says it was like you know kind of I don't remember the exact line but basically it was down to you you kind of were I don't know maybe a muse or, or something to him that that really eventually then helped him complete his research if it was indeed him who completed it but anyway yeah. that's another another conspiracy thing um, so she is instrumental in a lot of things but yeah the, the, the romance did feel a little 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 odd but hey it's cool man little little, little awkward yeah
0: yeah so so yeah it's at this point where she's she's inspiring him and also in a way distracting him from the focus of of creating these synths versus these androids like these data-like androids that he's wanting to do and there there's a line that like really sends him into a depression and i'm not going to get it right but i believe it was um was it Olivia quest? I think is the Uh name that is kind of like, like really getting under his skin saying that there's going to be one in every household and it's going to be thanks to Maddox and that because of Maddox, you know, it's going to transform the Federation because there's going to be a synth in every household. And he hates that. He hates the idea of that. He hates the idea of that. It's taking him away from, what he was wanting to do, which was create life. Right. He was wanting to create sentient life and it's not happening with these, you know, these brainless, you know, robots, basically just these synthetic life forms that do menial tasks. Um, so, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I understand where he's coming from. It, it does kind of seem like uh, your life work, light <laughs> So everything that you've ever wanted to do and create, well, just give us the the you know, the the cliff notes version of that and and we'll be cool. But yeah, uh, uh, Olivia Quest, it's it's good you brought her up. What do you think of her as a character?
0: She kind of annoyed me a little bit. Politician. I mean, yeah i mean she she just annoyed me and i can i mean i can i can understand like the perspectives of each of these characters yeah but i don't have to like it oh yeah yeah you know what i'm saying like with with her and like with bordson clancy picard i mean heck even even maddox and jurati i can i, I get it um uh, But yeah, like the way that that quest like went, went about some things like with her politicking and like even like her, I'm pretty sure it was quest that had her, her issues like with, why isn't the Federation paying more attention to my tiny planet? And I'm like, are you really going to get, are you really going to get that all bent out of shape about that little thing?
1: Yeah, and and unfortunately, you know, as as we sort of progress a little bit, she you know, she's on this council that um that is sort of I, I don't really know overseeing is the best word, but kind of like auditing the process and and sort of like it's always the question, it's like what are we getting out of this? And th- this this is the the morality play here. You have Picard who's trying to save lives. And that's his only only motivate it's like i have to save lives have to save lives it's all about the lives then you have the other side of it okay yeah saving lives are great and all but what do we get out of it like we're we're spending all these resources we're you know using all this time all the ships are out there our core missions completely changed what are we getting out of it so i don't know it it that unfortunately is a is a pretty common common thing that even happens today when you start talking about like, you know, refugees and stuff. And there's been a lot of that. I, I don't want to, you know, obviously get deep, deep on your show here, uh, chase, but, um, it is an interesting dichotomy and I, and I, God, I just, that's what annoyed me about her was the constant. What do we get out of this? What can my planet get out of it? Well, what, Okay, fine. Let's just let them all die. That'll be great. Okay, that, that'll that be fun. So that was what would be more about her.
0: So the, one of the things I was thinking about was this idea of the core mission is changing mm. and that there will be an entire generation of Starfleet officers that will have gone essentially gone without this exploration. That, that Starfleet will have... More or less turned into a public transit service yeah. for an entire generation of officers, and I, I, I was really thinking about that. Like, I would pause it, and I would really start to think, like, what in reality for Starfleet and the Academy, what would that look like practically and academically for prep- preparing officers with this shift in. In like a, like they were saying, like with a generation of officers, with what they're doing with the mission and what they're doing with their learning. Because I mean, a generation—you can look at that as like forty to sixty years—is a generation, yeah. for the yeah. most part. So 40, 40 to sixty years of ferrying people back and forth, back and forth, yeah.
1: built, building I mean, structures. Like really, yeah.
0: what's that? Like, what's that going to do for the Federation? And their 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 mission of exploring strange new worlds and boldly going where no one's gone before. I know I realize that's the the mission of the Enterprise, but that's really the mission of Starfleet right. too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, let's. I'm just gonna be you know honest about this. This task is pretty insurmountable. You're talking about. I think bite, uh, bitten off more than you can chew is sort of applicable, but God, it's like, how, how do you, how, I guess, how do you make peace with, with yourself thinking that if I could do something I should, or if I could do something well, but what's the benefit for us? You know, I don't want to break it down too simply, but it's, uh, It'd be it'd be it'd be very hard on the morality. I think of a lot of people to say that. Could I just leave these folks to die? But granted, they didn't make it easy. Uh, you know, so I think that that's also no. a consideration as well. Like, do you really want my help? Yeah, and and that was the other
0: thing I was thinking too. Like, kind of talking about like Jordy and like the changing of the mission and starfleet being a taxi service and and i don't mean to be so flippant and just call it like that but that's just kind of how i'm seeing it in my head with like we're, we're designing these starships as we're reading in this book to be more accommodating of romulans and romulan culture Yeah, nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with trying to make it as as comfortable as possible but i mean I want to say something, or or talk about something, but I don't know if I'm going to irritate people. Like, why? Like, if we're... Why do this? You know, this is... we're, We're going to be doing something for a half of a century as Starfleet. And stuff is going to change. It's it changed in Kirk's era. It certainly is changing in Picard's era. But but why are we are we just doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, like we're we're basically gonna be creating Romulan starships with the Federation sticker on it.
1: Yeah. Why, uh hmm. Hmm. So I'm just going to dive into something here. We, we've been going for a bit, um, and that's in, that's interesting. Do it. Do it. Okay, so let, let's break this down. So we have Romulan. Break it down uh, Barney style. <laughs> oh, God. So we have the Romulan <laughs> sun. It's going to explode. Going to kill everybody within, eventually, through revised uh, Starfleet projections. What was it? Ten? Um, what was the unit of measurement? <laughs> was, it, was it parsecs? No, nah, I'm just kidding. Light years, light speed—I don't know. We 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 were never good at units of distance or speed in the in the Wars universe. So, um, but it's going to destroy planets, effectively eradicate a lot of their civilization and the way they live because then their planets are gone. So, you're building all these ships to accommodate Romulans. You're moving all these Romulans, and then eventually. Oh, we're bringing some Romulans in <clears> the <throat> Federation space. Hooray! They need places to stay, and we're going to accommodate them. It's going to be great, and they're going to be our friends. And we're going to take all this time to do it. Potentially an entire generation, and our mission's going to change. Chase, does that not sound a little bit like Infiltration to you? Does it not sound a little There's- bit like, uh, doesn't this all sound convenient? And then you get the Romulan scientist who, God, I feel so bad for him. We, we had this Romulan scientist that I failed to write down his name. So that's my bad, but he, um, he originally projected, a, a lot of the early, uh, you know, stuff for this. And yeah. that was sent out. And then we had one of our earth scientists who revised it and said, no, it's going to be far worse. And they both came, however, They both came to the same conclusion, a thought, a theory. Could this have been orchestrated, this destruction of the sun? And then you start thinking from there, who orchestrated it? If it is, who orchestrated it? Could it have even been done? Okay, so let's say it could have been done. Who orchestrated it? And then, my God, the Federation is bending over backwards for them building the ships to accommodate Romulans providing the planets a little closer and even in Federation territory and then we get this show we get this show and we start to see they're already in Starfleet command
0: that the Jat Jatvash are the ones that are probably pulling the strings with everything going on potentially well, it, like this is just a theory. This is just like us wearing our, our tinfoil yeah.
1: hats right now. But what if? Because if there's a species out there that's devious enough, I mean, what if the Romulans? My God, what if they? What if they orchestrate? What if? What if Picard, the great man, God, what if he orchestrated the? the I don't know a Romulan takeover. And we also talked about this pre-tape too. So they were uh, Boardson and, and Clancy. Man, they were they were getting them out of there real quick. Admiral, here's the Verity. Get on out there, Picard. Get in the stars. Figure this out. Picard did save Starfleet from their first infiltration in season one, when those little you know strange little creatures were infiltrating Starfleet Command. Then. What if somebody wanted yeah. him out of the way? I don't know, it's tinfoil hat.
0: <laughs> so I was just thinking something in this, and in, 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 like about like this whole relocation thing. Okay, so they they were like stupid concerned about having having the fleet be able to evacuate all these folks. Mm-hmm. Okay, David, I, I like to consider myself. A pretty knowledgeable not super but pretty knowledgeable when it comes to Star Trek and lore and the universe and things like that in which it operates now would it make sense to have timelines okay let, just just stay with me for a second would it make sense to have timelines where you have an X number of the fleet that are kind of leapfrogging from like whatever Romulan planet or system to another safe planet to where they can just beam them from ship to ship all along and not have to worry about building a fleet. So beaming that, like basically hopscotching from planet to planet using the ships and beaming them onto a safe planet rather than having to build an entire new fleet.
1: Well, now you're just being logical. That
0: would save manpower and it would still... And it would just, it would be able to rotate ships in and out, still be able to do the exploration mission and still be able to, you know, get Romulans from one planet to the next instead of having to build the public transit system for Romulus. That's what I get for thinking, right?
1: Well, I can't, I can't answer that because I'm not an engineer, but, uh... It, it just seems like the the overwhelming effort for ships again that that's it's part of the reason that just fueled my paranoia there because it's like ships why 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 all the ships i mean can we not do anything else i mean for god's sake we just learned in picard that the borg had some magic teleportation ring i mean now we're getting in a uh, stargate you could just create a stargate bridge now or something i don't know
0: well, just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, that, those are the Sikari, the Sikarians from uh, Star Trek yeah. Voyager Season 1, Episode 10. And, yeah, like, the Borg, like, just went in and just, like, assimilated the entire planet and stole that from yeah. them. Because, one, they're they're hedonistic pacifists, so, like, they're not going to give a right. crap. I mean, really, that's what they were, the Sikarians. So, anyway. But, like, you know, see, now you got me thinking. I got my tinfoil hat on, guys. So with with uh gosh what is it season or not season two episode not even episode two issue two of picard countdown uh we get to and for anyone that hasn't read this you need to read it and just cover yours i guess fast forward or something um we get to to issue two towards the end and there's a governor of uh U yacht beta that is trying to take over the verity yep so I mean, even in the comic, we have a ship takeover that's taking place. But going off of what you're talking about, David,
1: yeah, I don't know. It it just it it makes me scratch my head a little bit, especially when we when we had two separate scientists start to think about was this natural disaster not so naturally started, and I think that. Um, yeah. And and we don't know. I mean, I, I think uh, we both had some conversations early on in the in the beginnings of Picard thinking. This might be more Borg centric. Uh, you know, hey, maybe the Borg were doing something. Maybe they're playing the long game. Maybe the Romulans are playing the long game. Hey, maybe the Klingons just flipped out and it's all Klingons and they're just coming in. I mean, where are they? Where are they in this effort? All right. Where are the Klingons? Where are the Klingon ships? That's all I'm saying. You know, they're back on Kronos and just be like, oh, we're going to wipe them all out here pretty soon, brother. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because as Those we as Hogan, we Klingon. yeah as we all know all klingons are you know former night you know like 70s wrestlers it's great uh, just strap on the red and yellow brother going hog wild so um i don't know that was just tinfoil hat sort of deal uh i i think that um i i think that there's there's a lot more than meets the eye and uh, there, there's still one question I have that hopefully, eventually, when that's answered, probably in the show, um, that it'll connect dots for me. But I, you know, there, there's just too many little individual pieces yet. Uh, so anyway, where were we at in the book? <laughs> I really got tinfoily there.
0: We're so- we're we're somewhere around end of section two early section three if i'm not mistaken we,
1: we did get a lot of uh a lot of little stories about um you know some of the relief mission uh some not so successful things we we even get you know the admiralty and they're they're saying we need a big win and that's you know kind of when we run into our warrior nuns and uh that kind of gives Picard lot. a win, I guess. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, because he's meeting, you know, baby boy Elnor. Oh, yeah. Reading books. You know, the adorable little Romulan kid. Oh, yeah, man. it's good. And and teaching him about these books introducing him to books. Do you like books? <laughs> yes, I like books. <laughs> I like books, too. I mean, I'm reading a book.
1: <laughs> the, their interactions were cute. I mean, I, I did like the little part where... You know, they're at the dinner table, and he's like, you know, being told to go to bed. But I don't want to go to bed. And he's trying to negotiate, and Card, Picard helps him negotiate like a better deal for himself. Well, you know, if you go to bed, I'll come read yeah. to you, and that'll be good. And, you know, so it was a cute interaction. You know, he's obviously there's always been the thing with Picard and kids. He, he thinks he's not good with kids, but in the end, he can be really good with kids. He's just not comfortable with it. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, and like I, I enjoyed that, and then like the the Kuat Malat basically, you know, being, you know, beamed aboard the Verity, and kind of how they have like their own little, uh, you know, mini nation, basically, yeah. on the Verity, uh, and how like the the um uh, all these warrior nuns are, are more or less keeping the peace. With the other Romulans that are on the ship too, and and I, I enjoyed the the exchange between like the very uh, uh, persnickety Romulan official and the Co-op Malat and how like they basically kind of just like said shut up and just deal with it basically.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was just that was fun to read. And as I was reading it, I know it wasn't the, the Enterprise D, but for some reason, David, whenever I would be reading. And like listening to these chapters, like especially like with the Quatmalot being on the ship, I couldn't help but think and picture the old Enterprise D with their their uh, drawstring shade windows that they had. Like that was the image yeah. I had in my head for the, like where they would be in the ship and what their quarters would look like. <laughs> Do you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that well we just had so much so many good times on the old Enterprise D, so memorable. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was interesting, but again, like when you really think about it, his success was with a completely different group of Romulans that aren't even really like core Romulans. So, I you know, I, I remember them talking about like taking pictures and stuff with the Elnor and some other little girl that took his hand to, you know, go show him something you know, trying to to put a face on it, but trying to put a happy face on it, you know, for, for all the folks back home who are doubting this that happens all the time and sometimes it's a bit infuriating because unfortunately mob mentality is very real and it doesn't matter what time you live in uh, a single person can be intelligent, um, you know, not, not going to rashly make decisions, but as soon as you put them in a mob, sometimes that groupthink can be a, a bad thing. So you need those little, little things, but it's like, my God, whenever I hear or read about it, I'm just like, mm, I wish we didn't need that. I wish we didn't need those little things of people, I just, you know, anyway, that's rambly
0: no 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 I mean it, it's it's true though I mean like I can think back to I mean like I, I feel like that's that's what was happening like even for us like with our age and and people that remember it like you know shortly after 9-11 yeah it was like let's let's show let's show the happy smiley faces uh, as we're doing this war on terror yeah. and and stuff like that and and, I, and I'm i just gonna go out there I, I like George Bush you know I not everyone's going to make the correct decision no president well it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on none of them are going to make the right decision every single time yeah and and regardless whether it's fi- it's r- real or not they're going to try and paint the best picture possible and that's what we're seeing here is like let's let's have this happy-go-lucky thing so that people will stay off of our backs and we saw that both around you know the early 9-11 era and we're seeing it now with what's going on with picard in this relocation mission basically
1: yeah and then and again around this point is really when you or at least i started to sympathize a bit more with clancy you know she's the one who's liaisoning with the council she's the one who's liaisoning with you know Romulan affairs and and that uh, the Romulan ambassador. And my god, how hard of a job that would be. There's so many different people and, and I mean you have Quest who is prime example of sort of like Romulan should be in Romulan space. You know, don't don't bring him here. We don't want anything with this. Why are we doing this? What's the benefit to us? And then you have Picard kind of breaking the rules a little bit, uh, bringing Romulans in Romulan space, not really always doing what the Romulan officials want them to do. She's getting the protests. And it's like, I know you're doing the right thing, but man, could you... It's like he never... I mean, I don't think he ever fully trusted her, but could you give me a tip-off? Like, could you, like, call me... I mean, we've got long range. You know, we, we we can do this. We can you can contact me a little bit. And and it, I think if there was a Picard flaw, and I and maybe this is kind of uh, a little bit leading up to the hubris that Clancy in the Picard show sort of right. talks about. you know kind of building up maybe a little bit of that hubris that picard has that it's like well i'm on this righteous mission i have to do these things i don't have to always ask for permission and it 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 puts certain people in difficult spots and so again that's why i kind of start to feel for clancy a bit more and i'm sort of like man yeah you you kind of you kind of were a bit (laughs) had the raw deal so to speak so just starts to make me understand
0: so there there are two things with with this one I understand that Clancy is the what is it like not the assistant but like the right hand of of the CNC and I, I guess maybe one thing I don't understand is like why is a Captain, giving a four-pip admiral directions and orders of what to do. Like that doesn't—that just didn't click for me.
1: Yeah, some of the rank stuff did kind of. I don't know. I that it was kind of yeah, kind of a little odd, I guess. So I I thought about that too because like I kept having to remind myself, wait a minute, she's a captain. So I don't know. Like,
0: why isn't she like a one-pip? or a 2 pip admiral type of thing you know or, yeah. or, or not even a 1 pip one pip like why isn't she like a 2 or a 3 pip or i mean admiral, like 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 you know, a commodore
1: like, cuz you know like you have commodore o so i mean just like a commodore or something yeah. like that
0: and further you know with the the rank thing what was the reason Picard went from a captain to a 4 pip admiral
1: <laughs> yeah
0: uh, I mean, I know he did great things, but that's kind of a stretch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can I, I could understand him. I mean, in the in the ranking system, like Commodore really doesn't. It, it's it's more rare. At least it's yeah. rare, like with on screen appearances. Like most people go and they become a two pip admiral. They become a rear admiral. Yeah. And then like they might move up real quickly and become a three pip and then eventually a full admiral which which is a four pip. And I don't I don't know, dude. I yeah. didn't know where I was going with this. <laughs> the but the like, ranks
1: are weird for sure.
0: <laughs> but here here's the other thing that I wanted to mention. So we have this turmoil going on and this and like going back to like the whole like let's put up a really good front, a really good image. We need some happy, smiley stuff going on for the people back home. We got to remember this book started in 2381. Star Trek Nemesis takes place in 2379. At the end of Star Trek Nemesis, we have Captain Riker going to um, head up the peace initiative and whatever with the Romulans yeah so we already had some some goodwill going into this two years prior what in the world has happened in two years to where the Romulans hate us again and they're not willing to talk anymore because something significant had to have happened because there was like I mean Shinzon for crying out loud tried to destroy Romulan government yeah in Nemesis
1: well, he did. I mean, he did wind up destroying so some, quite a bit of it, or at least the Senate.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, with all the Thaleron radiation yeah. and, and, like, both in the ship and in the Senate and everything, it was a major disruption to, to Romulan society and Romulan government by extension. So something's just not adding up for me. So, I mean, maybe, again, maybe I should put my tinfoil hat back on. Maybe this is a, a grab to where it's, like, we recognize the Federation wants to help us. We don't want them to help anymore, so we're going to do something to try and decimate them or cripple them to take them take their eye off of what they do as, as the Federation is Starfleet. So yeah. um, Anyway, we're in the third part of the book now. We might as well talk about it.
1: Yeah, I, I did also want to just do a, a mention to uh, uh, Coley, who was a Bajoran uh, officer. Yes, yes. You know, really, when you think about it, gets brought in here because of, I mean, all the experiences that the Bajorans uh, had with the Cardassians. And, I mean, that whole thing, if you really, really look into the whole Bajoran history, was ridiculous. Like, how folks have a ton of compassion for Cardassians is kind of tough. Um, But anyway, you know, she gets brought in, and she is... She's really amazing at connecting with people, and specifically, I'm just gonna to move to the Nimbus incident, that planet, which had previously yeah. had kind of like an. From my understanding, there was there was an agreement with the Federation; they were supposed to kind of protect them. But as soon as Romulan said "Buzz off," they did, and kind of left these folks a little bit at mercy of the you know the Romulan Empire. And they, they, were, they were able to survive. The people were able to survive for a while. So when Starfleet comes in and says, hey, we got to move you, they're like, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. I don't want you here. Get out. Then Coley really kind of steps in to be that empathetic, that person that does understand what they're going through. And unfortunately, it, it leads to... I mean, the Romulans coming in and executing... People in this this village And it also leads to Coley Dropping a huge bombshell On planet Earth Because she Is able to get Literally a recording Of the, the Tal Shiar Killing these people And she goes to She goes to Clancy Clancy doesn't do anything Even with Picard This is actually what hurt me a little bit in a way it kind of it kind of tugged at me a bit when what was 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 Coley losing faith in Picard everybody looks at him as this great man Picard was directly ordered to leave these people to the Romulan government they'll they'll handle it direct order from Bordson Coley said they're going to there's going to be a massacre I'm telling you 100% certainty there's going to be a, a massacre. and Picard backs out, just like the Federation did all those years ago to this planet. And again, it, it starts to it starts to be sort of the the little, the little chips, the little chips. You know, like in, in the beginning of the show, you have all those chips just kind of coming together and making Picard. Yeah, You start to see those little chips and the little erosions and the greatness, the disappointments, and that's difficult. That's, that's a very real thing, but it's very difficult for me to see. Cause this, cause Coley was like number one supporter. She was boots on the ground for everything Picard was doing. And then she she leaves she goes to starfleet command tries to tell the story clancy's not gonna do anything about it she resigns then she gives that that video to the media which blasted there and of course what are people gonna think well the romulans are just killing each other what why are we there
0: yeah so yeah and when when, when this when this whole thing with with uh, lieutenant coley who i believe she was a science officer if i'm not mistaken uh, maybe yeah um uh, yeah, I think she was a science officer. So, anyways, with with her and like just this whole thing that's taking place, like the the image that I have in my mind as I'm as I'm going through this this part of of the book is that it's taken me back to when Admiral Dougherty is on the Enterprise oh, wow, E yeah. in insurrection. Yeah. And talking about like these people aren't indigenous to this planet the prime directive doesn't apply to them yeah and picard you know gives one of his picard speeches you know how many lives does it take admiral you know a hundred a thousand a million how many lives does it take and like you can see this conviction like and he's like he's a captain standing up to a full admiral yeah and just saying no this isn't right this is not right what we're doing and and contrasting that with what's happening in this book where picard's perhaps trying to justify orders and again going back to insurrection um not even insurrection but also um oh my gosh i wish i could remember the episode it's in next gen when um it's it's a data episode where they're trying to um no no it's it's um Oh my gosh. The offspring. It's the offspring where they're trying to separate data from law. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like there have been too many military officers. There have been too many people who just stood by blindly following orders. So just this conviction of Picard, like you're saying, it, it seems as if it's waning in, in like certain instances of this book, which is certainly disheartening for this, this high moral character that we've come to know and love for, you know, two or three decades by yeah. now.
1: Yeah, it was, it was difficult. It was definitely difficult for for me because I, I, my favorite captain's always been Picard. I mean, no offense to the Kirkers out there, you know, whoever else you want to attach your, your love to, but it's always been Picard for me. Um, but yeah, you're right. That's, that was a, that was a good call off for, for insurrection, but that was, that was difficult. And this really starts kind of the downturn, even in the mission as well. Like the winds aren't quite, you know, if they are wins, they're not quite tasting as sweet and it, you know, again, you're, you're, you're getting these run-ins with the Romulans. They're not really being helpful. Until, I mean, literally, it's almost too late.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's there's just a little bit more to talk about, like with with Maddox and a confrontation he has with Jordy, and Maddox and a conversation he has with Girardi, and a few other things mixed in for good measure and that more or less will bring us to the end if I'm not mistaken unless you're thinking of something I'm not
1: um yeah I mean just I I guess in you know kind of quick summation really yeah I mean that that's that pretty much does lead us up uh through most of it uh we do get the you know the doctor on on Romulus and sort of his his journey um you know everybody's kind of leaving but he's he's not and being attacked by the Tal Shiar and um, you know essentially broken at that point um, but yeah it sort of sort of starts to lead us into 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 Mars I, I think we can kind of zip through that and then really yeah get through get through the final the final phase of it so Mars attacks man or excuse me Mars is attacked <laughs>
0: I think I think of that every time. <laughs> <laughs> these these big-brained aliens <laughs> with spacesuits.
1: Yeah, I, I will say uh, though, I I felt that that uh, that our writer here did a pretty pretty good job of describing this. Um, you know, because like when Picard gets the word, he gets the word in the TV show. You know, when they had sort of a flashback, so he gets the word. Um, and he's thinking about like Geordie, obviously, because that's who he knows there. Can't nobody, you know, can't get a hold of him. The entire planet's ba- or well, the Utopia Planitia's basically been destroyed for the most part. And Jordy's on a shuttle. <laughs> Thankfully, he he survives. But like just hearing, and then they have like newscasts, so they're like literally watching it. And he's he's in the shuttle, he's like. I bet I could name the people that were on duty, that were in there, and like, they're all gone. His friend, yeah, Mackenzie, who had who had like, championed for him from the beginning, started the projects, gone. And he even, they even talk a little bit about his survivor's guilt, because he would have been there, and he wasn't, so that's, that's difficult, man. But then, yeah, we we kind of get uh, we get the conversation with Maddox, like you alluded to, because he's freaking out, man. Him and Gerardi, they're like, where did they go? Paris?
0: Yeah, they were they were at Par- they were in Paris hanging out and cussing
1: out waiters.
0: I mean, yeah, because mm-hmm. poor guy. And and Maddox is like scared for his life because, again. He is the person that has essentially created these synths. These yeah. synthetic the synthetic labor force. Yep. And and they've gone bananas and you know, made Mars and and the shipyards go boom. And and he's like, oh crap, they're gonna come for me. I gotta go. I gotta go. But before I go, Agnes, I want you to know that uh Thanks. I, you really inspired me. You're, you're a great kid. And um, I'd love for you to go with me because I love you. Yeah. And, you know, I like the cuddles and the kisses and the hugs and the, the cake and making cookies with you and stuff. <laughs> but I want you to know, babe, that, you know, you're the one that really inspired me to really think about this thing called fractal neuronic cloning. All look at So big, big words.
1: Yeah. Did you think
0: thanks for inspiring did me did you
1: think that her reactions during that conversation were strange though cause like he's he's I mean he literally just berates this waiter who's I mean he, he reduces him to tears cause like he knows what's going on he's just trying to be a little normal so he's going nuts Jurati's crying but there's a part where she just like like almost like resets and is like oh no it'll be fine Everything will be fine, Bruce. You will totally get all of us out of this. It will be great. And then he spills milk on her book, and then she freaks out about that. I understand people process shock in a lot of different ways. But, I mean, we talked about it before. There's always just been something just off about her. And that that reaction, her, her mixed reactions just were strange to me. Do you
0: think she's an android? Oh god.
1: I don't know, man. I I think I think uh, some of her cuz originally when we talked about that, it was because of her behavior in the show. And I think some of the behavior in the show yeah. can now be explained by something that happened in this new app ep- or something we see happen in this newest episode. But I don't I don't know. I really don't know because I mean at the end of the day who would have created her? Maybe maybe we'll get that you know maybe it'll be something like trying to champion like a, a mental illness or something of that nature or maybe she's slightly on like the spectrum for autism or something like that. I don't I don't know but it, it just seemed like a very odd reaction and we don't get really any explanation for it. Maybe she's just emotional or maybe that's just her cutoff scientific brains and so forth. But I mean, Android Jurati. Oh, that Oh, wait. That's how she got the idea to him because she's one of them. Because she is of one, us, one <laughs> of us. One of us. I don't know, man. Create more. Create more of either. us, Bruce. More of us. We can make
0: cookies together
1: forever.
0: <laughs> Come play with us, Bruce. <laughs>
1: well, they'll always have Paris. So anyway,
0: oh, oh. <laughs> I see what you did there. Well done.
1: <laughs> but yeah, then then eventually, like you alluded to, the conversation with Jordy, and he's just like, "Man, did you drop the ball? Did you? You got distracted." Yeah. But that leads to the. Why'd you get
0: distracted, man? You had, you had you only had one thing to yeah. do, just just one thing, just 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 make some some you know some dirt devil you know robots you know to to you know play with the widgets for the starships. That's all you had to do. You had one job, homie, just one job. You took your eye off the prize. You know what sellers get? Sellers get cookies. You don't get cookies, Bruce. Man. <laughs> Sellers and closers. Closers, closers get, get cookies.
1: cookies. <laughs> oh, God. You did not close. Well, and again, that, that leads into the question that I have to have answered. Why did the synths attack Mars? Okay. I don't believe it was anything Bruce did. I really don't. But if if and when, well, when we get that answered i'll be able to answer a lot more questions i think it wasn't i mean it wasn't random and that's sort of what again i i can't i can't expound upon that too much because then i just go into a bunch of different areas and i'm not 100 percent sure about but i don't think it was his fault but i also think it's a bit naive of Jordy to sit there and say your life's work is secondary to everything you have to completely shut it off make the dirt devils to make our fidget spinners for our ships don't you know don't mess with anything else but that's how they lived life it was about pursuing passions people had the ability to because money poverty war it wasn't a thing on earth you had that ability and you're talking about generations you're not talking about like you know 10 years of peace you're talking about multiple generations that's what they know it's a bit selfish but that's what they know and to give all that up and to say you can only concentrate on making these things that you hate because they are not life dude that's difficult and i i honestly think that that's i don't think that's right to necessarily believe it should happen crisis or no crisis it's just tough
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's it's been that way since, you know, the the late twenty second century. I mean, it wasn't perfect in the Archer era. Yeah. But I mean, that's really what they were they were working towards. Like from the time first contact happened in Bozeman, Montana, up until, you know, Jonathan Archer and company started to boldly go, I mean, that was the lifestyle that they were starting to really pick up on. Yeah. So like you're like you were saying, man, like this has been something that's been going on for two, two and a half, maybe three, three centuries for the most part. And that, and that, that's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, you've been doing something for what, 300, 200, 300 years. Yep. And you're just told like, nope, nope. That would be like, I mean, I realize electricity hasn't been around that long, but that would just be like us in a way saying, yeah, you know that electricity thing? No.
1: Right. Well, all I know is it's it's been a long it's road getting from there to here.
0: Yeah.
1: It's been a long time. but It's been a long time. Time is finally here.
0: <clears throat> so. I will see my dreams come alive at last. <laughs> you know, David, I'm going to touch that sky.
1: Oh, the theme song to end all theme songs. I love so that. Good. I love that theme Rod song. Rod Stewart. So
0: we've, we've pretty much, um, gone through this book shotgun style and, uh, yeah. I mean, what, what you think overall of this book?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, actually, you know what? I'm just going to add on this. I know we've been running for quite some time here, but we the very last thing was Picard's recall and then eventually kind of what we see a, a tidbit in the show. So if you're interested in the conversation that happened between Picard and Boardson and Clancy and everything when he resigns, there you go. It's there uh, um, so that was that was that was kind of cool. And the only other thing I'll say, and I said this to you, the very end of this book, um, might have been my least favorite ending in a while no offense but it was like one of those big wrap-up style things where the author opens you know opens the book and starts telling you the story of what what happens next oh uh, olivia quest becomes a full member of this whatever and does all this stuff and you know, it's like, <laughs> please stop, please. And it just kept going on forever. And I'm listening to it too. If I would have read it, it would have went by faster, but I'm listening to it. It's like, oh, please stop. I don't need the recap. Um, so that's the only other thing. Sorry about the the end gripe there. But I think if you enjoy Picard or even just want to get more backstory on Picard, I think this book is, is definitely something you should read. I think it's something you should add in. Um i did enjoy it i have my nitpicks we all do that uh but it i think it made it made uh me think a lot and we're we're like looking at almost you know two hours just in this conversation and i think that there were some some good thoughts that that came up here and and some back and forth so if a book can do that uh you know i gotta give it a thumbs up so
0: absolutely yeah and with with this, like I know I was mentioning the comic book earlier I think if you wanted to try and get like a chronological take at this I would read the first two sections of this book stop at the beginning of section three read the three comic books, then read the last section of the last Best Hope, and then go into the Picard TV series. Yeah. I think that would probably be the most chronological way to look at it and there might be it might be a little patchy but anyway for me I I enjoyed the book uh I mean I I liked having like some of the backstory of you know like basically what happened more or less right after Nemesis like I've wondered that for years like I remember watching the 2009 Star Trek film like Where's the next-gen cast and all this stuff going on? Like, why isn't the Next Generation crew acting and doing something with Romulus, you know, in this, like, sun-going supernova? Did any of them die? Were they around yeah. this stuff? So the fact that that got kind of fleshed out a little bit, um, you know, really satisfied my curiosity that I've had for well over a decade now. And it's it's not a perfect book. Um, There were some things that certainly bothered me, Um, one of which was 20th and 21st century slang in 24th century storytelling. (laughs) Like, for instance, TBH. Like, there was literally an instance of TBH in it. And that just, that bugged me for some reason. Yeah, yeah, I... I...
1: (laughs) I didn't catch it as much, but yeah, I I catch that from time to time in some books. I'm like, please, please just stop. Know the time you're writing for.
0: By the way, did you notice the Lord of the Rings reference in the book besides me posting it in one of our mutual groups? Uh, It's when Jordy's Jordy's talking to, uh, I think it's Mackenzie, actually, and he calls her a hobbit. Or refers to her as a hobbit.
1: Man, I I no, I completely whiffed on that. That's crazy.
0: And at the very beginning, uh, I think it was like either chapter. It was either the preface or the or the first chapter. It was talking about Picard and how he um, would either dream up or think up uh, multiple impossible things before breakfast. I'm like, that's a total callback to Alice in Wonderland for crying out loud.
1: (laughs) Yeah, good 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 spotting on Nothing that. Nothing wrong no, with it. Not at all.
0: And I think there was one other one, but like I know it was Alice in Wonderland and um you know Lord of the Rings the Hobbit that was dropped in here. Very so cool. if anyone else picked up on any other fandoms, by all means, put it in there. Let us know. But uh would you recommend this book? I mean, I guess I guess that's kind of already been answered, but would you recommend people check this book out? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
0: Yeah. Okay, and I, I'm in agreement too. Again, if you like, if you like backstory and you want to know, kind of how this fits into the Picard timeline, definitely get it. And plus, it's, it's just more opportunity to learn about Picard. So I mean, that's always a win in my book, as far as I'm concerned. Whether he does good stuff, bad stuff, or in between stuff. So. Anyway, I think that's it, dude. I think we done talked about the book enough. What do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we we beat it into the ground enough. That's uh, this is good. It's good conversation though.
0: <laughs> Indeed, very good. Com- it's always a pleasure talking to you, dude. About trek, about you know mushrooms. I mean, whatever. It's it's fun to talk to you.
1: Not 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 magic mushrooms. Don't <coughs> differentiate. Not those. <laughs> Just regular regular mushrooms. I mean. <laughs> you-
0: I mean, your shrooms are pretty magical. I will say that. <laughs> They're not psychedelic or anything like that. All right, guys. Well, David was on here with our last episode. So you folks already know how to interact with them. If you don't,
1: TC Plan Podcast? Is that yeah, just is? at TC Plan Podcast will largely get you about anywhere. Uh, and we're we're on all the podcasting platforms. If you want to listen, just the Contingency Plan podcast.
0: There you go. He still he's still doing it, as far as I know. I mean, he still talks about that other Star thing, Star Gate. I think is what you do.
1: Yeah, something about wars, Star Quest, yeah, War, Stars, Gates. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there's something warring in there.
0: Laser Warcraft is that what you do? You do a. War- it's a Warcraft podcast, isn't it?
1: Laser swords, you know. <laughs> Who shot first? Who knows? With pew pews. Exactly. Always pew pews.
0: <laughs> well, anyways, like, like I said last time, he runs um, the Contingency Plan podcast, does a great job. Make sure you check him out if you haven't already. Um, he was on our last episode talking about the Borg in the episode uh, called Assimilated. And guess what? He's on this one now, too. So uh, you're just getting all David all the time, pretty much. So it's kind of creepy. Anyway. Super creepy. We're, we're. we're.
1: You're creepy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Again, David, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest um, today and uh, calling Lone Star Station your home. And uh, I guess we got to close this thing up. We got to power down the station station. Uh, while they finish up construction on your room or something. so yeah go play some go sit, play some domjot or something um, over at quarks or whatever. yeah,
1: I'll get some I'll get some darts just in want, get some darts in before the end of the day
0: just watch out for the Nosikans. don't need you to be impaled or anything. Well, like you
1: that. know I, I, I don't have a prosthetic heart, but I've always wanted one so maybe I'll drink a little blood wine and get a little crazy.
0: Yeah, get a Duratanium Hearts. Right. That'd be great. All right, gang. Well, um, again, thank you for uh, hanging out with us today as we talk about uh, Star Trek Picard uh, The Last Best Hope, which is the newest um, Star Trek novel. Uh, I encourage you to check it out um, either in print or an audiobook and uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, if you want to let us know your thoughts uh, or if you just want to connect with connect with us, you can do so on all the social things. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TRTVPod. We um, we have a Facebook page. We have a group and some other stuff. And, um, you know, if you also want to support us, we, we haven't talked about this in a little bit, but we are on Patreon. And if you want to help us keep the lights on here at Lone Star Station, we'd love we'd love that. Um, otherwise, we're just thankful that you're supporting the show the way that you are already. Um, if you want to connect with us, make sure you open up Handling Frequencies. You can do so. Uh, by entering in coordinates trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Uh, now, finally, if you, again, like I've always said, if you want to mail us something in, if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, that's fine. We have those subspace uh, communication buoys that'll help things get to us. And make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station by entering in coordinates P.O. Box 2455. Azle, Texas. That's A Z L E 76098. Guys, we're so thankful that you, the listeners, are our last best hope of doing anything with this show. And uh, we're just very thankful and grateful for you. So, as always, we boldly go and make it so.